0: welcome to the best player wins podcast where we believe that winning is winning no matter by how little or by how much i am your host nate endries this week i am joined by sam sam welcome into the episode i know the the people can't see you but we're on video together you're bottle feeding your are one of your two twin girls charlie welcome into the episode welcome charlie too
1: <laughs> sam's here
0: me? yeah yeah i can hear i can hear you
1: sorry oh Peyton, you got him wrong all right
0: oh gee yeah they're, tw- <laughs> they're they're identical twins listen <laughs>
1: it's okay i get them wrong. Why you,
0: that's why you're there um, yep. so i haven't been on in about two weeks sam hasn't been on in about i don't know it's probably been like eight months so uh we did like something here last
1: year, but
0: yeah. Yeah, glad to be back. Uh, Thanks, Jake and Jordan, last week for taking the episode. But welcome into episode eight. This is uh, looking ahead to week seven. Already like a third of the way into the season, which is pretty crazy. Last week, Jake went two and four, just continuing the skid of me and Jake being awful with our matchup predictions this year. And Jordan went four and two. So he is continuing the trend of guests going four and two and just blowing us out of the water but without further ado let's uh recap week six and we're gonna start with our two big takeaways sam what is your first of two big takeaways from week six
1: all right so my takeaways are kind of just baseball related i have been taking care of twins instead of looking at the league but my first big takeaway is that mlb has finally figured out their marketing problems so They had a sleeve patch on Cameron Young, who've tied for third in the PGA Championship. So it's really great to see the MLB really driving home that young viewership that the PGA has. So we'll (laughs) we'll expect some viewership jumps in the MLB really soon from that patch on the third-place PGA golfer.
0: And then it's going to dip again once those people pass in the next two years. (laughs) (laughs) My first big takeaway is that the competition for third place and the wild card spot, because I, I think the West Division is probably going to grab one of those two wild card spots coming out of the West Division, I think it's going to be a rat race all season. So we've had, I've counted about four lead changes, I'll call them, in that third place spot in the West Division, and close to 10 at this point if you combine the lead changes of the third place and the fourth place spot in the West Division. So. You know, a locked-in spot, as well as probably the second wild card, I'll say, appears that it's very much going to be in play all season long, unless or until one of the you know the teams that are kind of clawing for these spots decide to sell. So so far, in this tight race, uh, it's included Courtney, me, Mike, Jerwin, and even Brendan, uh, who I know is not in the West division; he's in the East division. But there could be you know potential play for the second wild card spot from Brendan's team over in the East division because he's been kind of picking it up lately. Sam, what's your second big takeaway?
1: Uh, I saw a clip on Twitter. Uh, I forget who it was, but he absolutely got a hold of a ball, but it got, it went to the warning track. So balls are dead, League slugging OPS are down, but the exit view literally staying the same from last year. So they're making baseball boring and baseball's already been boring. So that sucks. Um, What, what do you think the most boring of the four sports to watch? On TV is, um, uh, so
0: the objective answer for somebody that's not biased, like somebody that you know either hates all four sports or loves them all or is just neutral, is definitely baseball. You know, it's the most boring to watch. But if you're injecting injecting my biases, it's basketball, hockey is hockey's electric, right? Football, football is great. Football's king. Uh, I love baseball. So I'm not personally going to say baseball, but that's probably the right answer for somebody that, that you know, is neutral on all four sports because it's, it is a slow game. Yeah. Would you say, know would, would you, say know you, found, they... you saw the clip of that, that crushed the I ball? Don't I don't know. It was on Twitter.
1: <laughs> okay. It just looks like they're playing with a white paper towel out there and no one, no one can hit the ball hard.
0: Yeah. I've heard the seams on the ball this year are, are bigger. Tired. So it's not, you know, the ball's not flying as far. It's interesting. that They change the ball every year. Um, my my second big takeaway, which this is nothing new, but catcher is just an absolutely putrid position. Uh, and you know it's bad for two reasons this year. Without checking, I haven't known at any point in the season who the number one catcher on the season is. <laughs> I feel like that you usually can think of the best players, right? But the second reason is that the number one catcher on the season, this was you know as of me prepping two days ago, uh, was Dalton Varsho who is averaging a measly two point two points per game, which is just an awfully low bar to clear so we 're basically begging anyone at this point to be a good hitter at the position. yeah catcher is just really bad
1: that guy that guy doesn't play only catcher though right He gets <laughs> the playing time probably helps his points
0: Yeah, he has triple outfield eligibility i don't i haven't been paying attention lately. I know he started the season. Like not really catching that much. He's got enough, you know, appearances at catcher last year to carry it this year. But I know that they started him in the outfield. Somebody said on Twitter, and I have not watched Arizona Diamondbacks games, so I can't verify. But since Alec Thomas got called up, you know, people were expecting Dalton Varsho to catch more games, which Mm -hmm. would hurt his playing time because catchers don't start every single game, right? So I haven't really been paying attention to that, but given that he's still the number one catcher, I imagine he's still getting quite a bit of volume. Yeah. But I'll have to I'll have to check on that. So, uh, so Sam, I, you mentioned before the episode that you have a third big takeaway, even though I only uh, prep two. Let's hear it.
1: Uh, abolishing the trade limit save the league. Lots of little trades. I like those, or at least there's more trades. Just little dinky trades might not have been happened if you got to pay five bucks or think about paying five bucks. Trade limit sucks. Should have never happened. Good change for the league. We'll revisit
0: that. We're, we're going to come back <laughs> to that. Um, top three standings update. In the East Division, don't believe there's been any change from last week. In third place, we have Jake's Fantasy Baseball team with an 8-4 and four record. Sam, you're sitting right above him. Weak pullout hitter with the same record, 8-4. and four. And then in first place, Freedom All-Stars, my brother Nick, who has a 9-3 and three record. Over in the West Division... I think it's also more of the same. Third place is Courtney Team C. Deemer with a six and six record. Second place is Eddie gone forever with a seven and five record. And in first place, the man of the institute, the dean as he likes to refer to himself now. I I, I was texting him, Sam, he, he must have graduated from the general.
1: He should have uh, dean. Like dean. He should be like VP of research or something.
0: <laughs> the walk Institute of Research, Jordan with an eight and four record. Sam, we've had a couple trades since last week's episode. A couple small ones, like you just mentioned. uh, First of which was between me and Nick. I gave up Alex Wood, and Nick gave up Stephen Kwan. Or were your thoughts on this one?
1: I don't really care about either of these players, but Alex Wood kind of sucks, and Stephen Kwan can play any outfield position, so I'd probably rather have your side, but I'm not mad about it or really moving the needle for me.
0: Yeah. Alex Wood for me was a luxury to have because I do have a lot of, I don't really have like a true ace, but I have a lot of pretty good starting pitcher options. My outfield is really bad. So, you know, Stephen Kwan's not special. I kind of said that the hype train for Stephen Kwan is dead a couple episodes ago. I I haven't changed my mind on that, but I think he's a little bit more useful for my roster in particular. And Vice versa for Nick, uh, Jake, and Jordan. We're talking about he only has five really good options at pitcher, so now he he got a little bit of depth. The second trade also involved Nick. Actually, all three of these trades this week involved Nick. <laughs> now that I'm looking at it, but kind of a, a similar trade, but with some bigger names. Nick gave up Carlos Carrasco, and Mike gave up Max Muncy. I think I prefer Muncy in this trade, but he has been notably bad this year while carlos carrasco has been pretty good i still think i would i would prefer muncie but i I don't blame mike for the move here what are your thoughts
1: yeah i like muncie he's the king of walks uh has sucked but i think he will start to do better um carrasco has outplayed him so far uh but i'd expect him to probably do worse and muncie to do better so Right now, if you value pitchers more, probably you probably want Carrasco. But if you need the need the positions that Muncie fills, I think he's like second base, first base, third. So yes, all three. I think decent it, uh, eligibility there. So I'm okay either way, depending on how your roster is constructed. I don't really know how the rosters are constructed. So yeah, I and I re-
0: I remember when I made the trade that we just talked about with Alex Wood and Stephen Kwan. This trade came seconds after, so I think Nick right. was waiting to secure it. Because Nick sent me, funny, yeah, it's not really funny, but I sent Nick the same offer. I offered Alex Wood for Stephen Kwan about a week and a half ago, and he turned me down. And then he sent me this offer at the beginning of this week. I accepted, and within seconds of me accepting, it seemed like Mike had an offer in his inbox because that trade got accepted. So it sounded like he was trying to get a little bit of depth to then trade away Carlos Carrasco to get Max Muncy. Worth noting, I think both of these guys are potential injury risks. Max Muncie is coming off of, I think, like a torn or a really bad UCL strain last year. People were wondering if, you know, his his bad performance this year is is because of the elbow. But Carlos Carrasco is kind of hurt every year, so you know, yeah. it's kind of a luck of the draw with this trade. We'll see, we'll see how it plays out. The last trade of the week was a big one uh, in terms of quantity. Partially in terms of the name too, names, too, but it was Scott giving up Aaron Nola, Emmanuel Classe, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Nick gave up Mackenzie Gore, Aaron Ashby, and Seiya Suzuki. What's your take on this one?
1: Uh, I think Scott probably could have gotten a little bit more for Nola. I think he was going after Gore for the keeper value. Um, Gore's been good, too, but... I don't know if he's going to keep that. I think there's also some sort of concern with him in the rotation. I don't know if Blake Snell is going to kick him out or somebody else is going to kick him out. I think he should be good there, but it's at least you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's at least not hundred percent solid for him in the rotation. Always.
0: That is um, correct. Um, to the, the contrarian point is that Mike Clevenger just went on the IL with a tricep mm-hmm. strain. So it seems like somebody has always hurt in that rotation. I would actually say, though, for like, I I think Scott, or I should say, Nick shared that Scott said that he's not really foreseeing himself competing this year, which is interesting to to, kind of, you know, decide that so early in the season. But aside from that, if that's true, you know, he's targeting Mackenzie Gore as a keeper. Then If I'm Scott, I'm rooting for Mackenzie Gore to pitch out of the bullpen because then that means next season he'll be a Sparp.
1: Yeah. Do you lose Sparp? Because I think it's bullshit that Severino has relief pitcher eligibility right now.
0: You do not lose it depending on how many relief appearances you make. I know it's five uh, appearances out of the bullpen to pick it up in the current season. I want to say it's either seven or eight to carry it into next season. Interesting. Could be wrong about that, but it's you can carry it into next season. So if I were Scott, like he's not trying to compete this year, I'd be cheering for Mackenzie Gore to pitch out of the bullpen. That's a, you know, potentially a great spark play next year. Aaron Nola. I am lower on than anywhere on the internet who puts (laughs) out rankings, not because I don't like Aaron Nola. Like I do like Aaron Nola, but I think his BAPIP is always going to be absurdly high because of the park that he plays in citizens bank park is, is pretty good hitters park, but also the defense we've talked about in earlier episodes is one of the worst in the league. So I don't think that Aaron Nola is going to be an ace as long as he's on the Phillies. And I think in a lot of starts, like you might not even get SP two numbers. I think he's just like, this is going to, maybe it's a hot take, but I think he's, he's kind of like Jose Barrios esque. Like Mm -hmm. his value is that he provides a lot of volume and I, I don't know, you know, outside of that, what the kind of, you know, draw is to Aaron Nola among the fantasy baseball community. So all, all that to say, I think that this is a pretty even trade for both sides. Like obviously two completely different types of return here, Nick trying to go for it. Now Scott looking like he's targeting keepers, but I think that the value is equal for what both guys are trying to do here
1: is class a, a guy who could potentially be moved at the trade deadline
0: in terms of being a keeper is that what you're asking no,
1: for uh for like mlb like oh his, his page is bright red he's, has, <laughs> he's throwing really well but he's just on the indians i mean the guardians eddie Bleed the Indians, <laughs> the i words um but yeah is i know no, no i don't
0: believe so he debuted see, he debuted in 2019 throwing 23 pitches, Or sorry, not 23 pitches, 23 innings. Did not pitch at all in 2020, so really let's say like his first season in the major leagues was 2021, that was where he got his first full relievers workload. You know, this being what I would consider to be his second full season, I, I don't think that he's, you know, anywhere close to the point where Cleveland would consider trading him. You never know. You never know. But I I think I don't think he'll get traded. All right. We are going to continue the manager interviews segment from last week that Jake and Jordan started. I know that, you know, Jordan was excited to kick it off. But this week we're going to do the manager interviews segment. Catholic edition is what I like to call it, because apparently you and Alex don't believe in contraception. Mr. Mm. Four kids under four by 24 years old. Is that a Catholic thing? Yeah, back in the day, uh, Catholic, I think still, honestly, Catholicism, like they're against any form of contraception. So Catholic families had a
1: ton of kids.
0: Well, I, mean, I don't want to get into
1: the details, but that's, that wasn't the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the
0: first question. Uh, I've noticed, so this changed since when I was prepping, because I saw you put in a claim for what was it, L- Luis Arias, you dropped Miles Straw. Sure. I think that's what happened. Over the past two weeks, excluding that claim that you made, I think it was today, you've only made three total transactions. So, can you share with us, you know, oh, wise one sitting at number two in your division eight and four, what is your approach when it comes to working the waiver wire and how does that fit into the way that you manage your team? You said the past two weeks. Yep, three total transactions. Oh, well, you know
1: who's two weeks old? Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I have two two-week-old twins and two toddlers, so that probably plays a role. I do, I, I tend, I think I like to be active on the waiver wire and kind of look at the transactions going on there. Fantrax makes it more difficult than ESPN, so minus one points for Fantrax mm. to, to see what's going on in actual transactions, but... Um, once life becomes less chaotic, I'll probably be making. But I also kind of like where my team is. at. I don't see a ton of holes or a ton of guys I want to drop. So I'm not actively looking for new blood on my team. So a couple reasons. First reason is probably that two weeks is an awfully exact timeline for a reason why.
0: I think you need to be taking notes from Nick. If, if I'm not mistaken, he, so he just had his second daughter April 12th.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: uh so like a month and a half ago if i'm not mistaken he told his wife to hold it so he could make a trade <laughs> mm. no not actually it's, but it's
1: tough because like if there was one good <laughs> then i could just push it off on alex but now there's two so
0: i meant in the labor room he said hold it like I gotta, oh. i gotta make a trade <laughs> i don't think yeah. that actually happened but i wouldn't be surprised nick nick's definitely pretty active second question i have for you you tribute your early season success so far to any change in approach from like the last couple years. And if not, what would you say is the primary driver of your success so far this year?
1: Uh, I mean, the first thing is, is just the keepers I had, I think I was set up for pretty good success, even if I blew the draft for that. Um, this year I wanted to focus on pitching. Um, Jake definitely disagreed with, with Cole over Soto, but I wanted to focus on pitching I had in my head that I wanted to keep four pitchers or three pitchers however many I kept to draft a pitcher in the first round and then stack the offense um, from there with just good kind of bats within the two through like six rounds I think I had Mm -hmm. so that was kind of my strategy going in the draft not much has changed in my team since the draft Um, so yeah that was kind of my original strategy and current strategy I guess.
0: Okay, I have an impromptu question for you since we've talked about it a couple times throughout the season. If you could take it back, would you change your, your pick of Garrett Cole number one?
1: Probably not. Okay,
0: I like it. Sticking to your guns. So I said I would come back to this when you mentioned it a little bit ago. Third question is, it's first is a statement, but then a follow-up question. You are very much in favor of abolishing the trade limit, yet you haven't struck a deal with anyone yet.
1: What gives that she gives? Um,
0: <laughs> well, you had, you had, yeah, uh, I had
1: a whole month before your, before your girls a huge were born. Start of year trader. I like to see kind of who got, who gets what. Um, so we're kind of into the zone where I would normally be looking for trades so that I'll, I'll be looking in a few probably weeks, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I don't see a ton of holes on my roster that I'm like, I need to fill this right now. And if there are ones they're from underperformers that I think will pick it up. Um, Hopefully soon, if they don't start picking it up, then things will have to change. But yeah, I think that's mostly there is, is kind of answers that first part of your question.
0: Sure. Do you ever approach others with trade offers or do you usually let people come to you?
1: Normally I'll approach people with trade offers. I have not sent out, any trade offers yet i've countered a few um most of the trade offers i've gotten were for wit and what i'm a wit guy Wit's a me guy uh so and know I, I, I'm, I'm not big on selling ceiling guys super low either so wasn't i yeah. really like that trade that's fair you don't ever approach me with trade offers we value players very similarly and when our teams are kind of in the same spot of like competing then it's it's tough to it is find tough. a way it to is make tough. a deal
0: next question which stats do you favor when you research a player whether it be a hitter whether it's a pitcher if you want to give an example for
1: both you're welcome to points on fantasy i guess i don't know (laughs) you Uh, did not (laughs) just say
0: points you don't have like uh, one stat that you're like okay like I'll, i'll at least look at this one
1: i mean with our format everybody says strikeouts i mean you obviously don't want a guy who strikes out a lot um, I've incorporated the Lansing at a savant page or two every once in a while, um, kind of back towards the back end of last season, but you definitely like to see red right on the savant page. Um, and I enjoy just general consistency over like hot and cold mm-hmm. guys. So yeah, that's kind of where I, where I look for as far as how I'm analyzing players. Uh, I like proven guys as well. Um, a guy off the waiver, who's averaging three points a game. I don't know if that's going to hold. So I want to sure. see it a little bit more, I guess. So you value a guy like Whit Merrifield who struggled this year
0: over like the latest and greatest who's averaging, you know, three points a game over the last three weeks. Yeah. Oh. Yep. That's fair. And then the last question, you, you alluded that Whit Merrifield is, is a Sam guy, but what is if you had to describe
1: the ideal Sam guy? Well, I, you, who was talking about, was it Jerry? Was it on the Jerry? I think the last episode I listened to was Jerry. They said he had like Giolito four years. I think I had Wit five years. I, I know, wouldn't doubt it. I know I you draft-
0: traded him to me back when I was like a sophomore in college. So that was literally <laughs> like
1: five years ago. <laughs> I, I know I drafted him in kind of like his breakout year and then I kept him. I'm like, 60%, I'm like 60% sure I kept him for a second year. And then his third year, I dropped him and Brendan drafted him. And then I traded for him from Brendan and now, I, and now I've drafted him again. So. I think I've had him for five years, so I'm a Witt guy. I don't know why. It's probably just because I got him that first year, and I've never let go. But um, ideal Sam guy, basically just kind of what we talked about earlier, consistent, proven guys uh, who don't strike out, I guess.
0: And Whit Merrifield does not strike out. We're actually – I don't want to spoil too much, but we're going to talk about Whit Merrifield shortly. Uh, He does not strike out, but there are some other interesting things about his profile this year. So then, the next segment uh, is the the rankings debates, and we're of course doing hitters because you know I rank the hitters, Jake ranks the pitchers. So I asked Sam to pick three hitters out of my updated top 100 hitters rankings to tell me, you know, whether he, well, three guys that he disagrees with me on, but also whether I'm too high on them or too low on them. So we'll start with the first guy, which Sam, you picked who uh I don't know how to say his first I, I think I do Jordan Jordan yeah Jordan Jordan? Jordan
1: Alvarez who's got my number
0: number 10 overall hitter Sam says I'm too high on him tell me why
1: I'm too high on him uh, I think I'd just rather have some of the guys below him I think he's probably more of a top 15 guys I think I'd put Franco Devers Vlad Arenado maybe even Shohei and Judge above him um so yeah I don't I don't know I'm just not a big Jordan guy I guess but I don't think he's egregious in the top 10, but I'd probably put him more top 15.
0: Okay. So yeah, you, you did a pretty good job given the context. Um, I'll add like a little bit more. My, the two hitters that I have right above, Jordan Alvarez, who's my number 10 overall hitter, are Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna. Right below him, I have Wander Franco, Rafael Devers, Vlad, Otani, Arenado, Alonzo Judge. So I have Jordan number ten, which you know he did move up eight spots in my last set of rankings when Jerome was on. He was at eighteen, and this 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 part is, I think, what convinced me. I was specifically looking at Jordan versus Vlad, mm. um, since Jordan's debut in 2019 to the major leagues. Here's how their stats compare. So Vlad has fourteen hundred. I'm, I'm just going to kind of approximate here. He has, a, he has about 1,400 plate appearances to Jordan's 1,100. Their triple slash line, you know, in those 1,100 versus 1,400 plate appearances, Jordan has a 289 batting average to Vlad's 293. Jordan has a 372 OBP to Vlad's 372 OBP. identical. Uh, Jordan's slugging percentage is .584 to Vlad's .523, so he has he has Vlad by a long shot. There, they both have 72 home runs. Jordan in 300 less plate appearances. Jordan's ISO is .294 to Vlad's .230, so he's a better power hitter. His weighted on base average is .398 to Vlad's .379. And the kind of overall aggregator stat for offensive output, weighted runs created plus. Jordan also has Vlad, and he is, has a 158 WRC plus to Vlad's 140. And then the other, the other reason why I'm so high on him is this year, he's above the 90th percentile in average X velocity, hard hit percentage, X WOBA, X batting average, X slug, barrel percentage, and walk percentage. So basically, he's been really, really awesome. Since he debuted, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He gets on base at an elite rate. Um, And I know everybody loves Vlad, so I thought that that was a pretty good comparison. That's why I'm so high on him. Any thoughts to add, Sam? You still think I'm too high on him?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd still put Vlad over him. I don't know. Maybe I'm just blinded by prospect Vlad. I don't know, Big moving Vlad, but I know I was, we're not really. I was really... going to say, would Jake trade Vlad for Jordan? But he has both, so he
0: has both. Yeah, he has both, <laughs> which is interesting. the The interesting case with Vlad, and I know that we're not really talking about him, but Jake and I talked on last year's podcast that the key to unlocking his potential, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., that is, was all about launch angle. You know, his his play discipline is elite. He hits the ball super hard. But he was hitting the ball into the ground. In twenty nineteen and in twenty twenty, Vlad kind of stunk. Like he just wasn't really that good. His launch angle in twenty nineteen was six point seven degrees. His launch angle in twenty twenty was four point six degrees. These are averages. Twenty twenty one it shot up to nine point four career high by a long shot. This year it's down to a career low four degrees. And I believe he's averaging less than two and a half points per game to Jordan's 3.25. So I think that the, all the batted ball skills and the plate discipline is still there for Vlad, but his launch angle is even worse than it was in 2019 and 2020 when he stunk back then too. I think it's a really interesting thing to watch for Vlad. Jordan does not have that problem, but has roughly the same or even better plate approach. Well, let's move on to the second guy. It's a guy that we've already talked about. And that is.
1: oh, I had Rizzo's too.
0: Okay. Well, we'll get to what Merrifield third. That's, that's the last guy. But Sam says that I am too high on Anthony Rizzo, which is kind of surprising. That's your guy. He's on your team, Sam, but I have him as my number 30 overall hitter. And I'll tell you who's right above him and right below him. So three guys right above him. I have Boba Bichette. Starling Marte and Jerwin inspired me to move Tim Anderson up into my top
1: 30. Three guys right below him. Aggressive move. I almost put that on my sheet. I think Tim Anderson move was a little too aggressive, but I didn't we don't have to talk about him.
0: Did you know that Tim Anderson's the number one overall shortstop so far this year?
1: I did not know that before last year. I did not week. know that. I, I think that uh, George, uh, that um, Josh Donaldson should have been suspended for calling him Jackie, though, if we want to get into that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I specifically left that off. I figured... We're probably all of the same opinion that that was just stupid for him to. It's <laughs> off. Okay, move on. Okay. Anyway, uh, three hitters right below Tommy Edman, Francisco Lindor, Josh Bell. That gives you an idea of where I have Anthony Rizzo. He's at number thirty. Sam, why am I too high on Anthony Rizzo?
1: I mean, I appreciate the respect after you guys trashed me for drafting him. It, both Jake and Nate told me that they're he was my worst pick, and he. Has been pretty much tearing the cover off the ball, which, which has been good. The short porch might be helping him. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd move him down maybe five spots. There's a lot of guys from my team in his kind of area, and I think I would put uh, Bell, Bregman, and Seager uh, above him from where you have them. So maybe shuffle it a little bit, but not too much. But um, those three guys, I think at least I value them more than Rizzo. It might be a positional thing. I don't know if you're taking, taking into account – Position. So there's a lot of guys at first base, uh, first base kind of players and also guys with first base eligibility. There's a lot of random first bases floating around there. Um, so I would put at least those three guys who are on my team above Rizzo. So that's why I would shift him down a little bit.
0: Okay. Josh Bell, who's three spots below him. Alex Bregman, who's five spots below Corey Seeger, who's eight spots below. That is, I think that's a fair way of looking at it. If you're kind of, you know, if you or say treating this as like a trade chart, I definitely think that it would be fair to say that those three guys potentially have at least equal amount of trade value to Anthony Rizzo at this point in the season. I guess I was kind of looking at it from like a performance and expectation moving forward point of view, but I, I totally see where you're coming from on that. So I think, you know, you're you're essentially saying like right range, wrong specific ranking. Sure. Fair? Yeah. Okay. I'm high for three reasons, which... Again, I don't I don't have a strong feeling about him being a you know, slap the label of a top thirty hitter. I think he's in the right range, right? But I'm high on him for three reasons. One, his play discipline is good. He's eighty-second percentile in walk rate and seventy-ninth percentile in strikeout rate. So those are you know two good things to couple together. Two, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's eightieth percentile in barrel percentage and eighty-sixth percentile in X slug. Three, He plays in the best park in baseball for left-handed hitters with that short porch in right field of Yankee Stadium. So I think that's just kind of like the perfect scenario for Anthony Rizzo to continue to perform. Like if he played somewhere else, you know, I don't know if I would love Rizzo as much, but with that ballpark, I I don't see why he can't continue to be really good for the rest of the season. The last guy, which I spoiled, but it's Whit Merrifield, Sam says I'm too low on Whit Merrifield, who is my number 51 overall ranked hitter. Three guys right above him are Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, and Cedric Mullins. Three guys right below, this one's a little bit interesting, but kind of moving him up as he's getting closer to returning, Fernando Tatis Jr., Brandon Lau, and Jose Abreu. Sam, why am I too low on Whit Merrifield
1: at 51? I mean, this is just really me standing up for my guy, but he had a really bad start, so I'm, that's probably why you have him so down. I don't know. where. I didn't look at your first rankings. Where'd you have him, like, start of season?
0: Start of season, I had Whit Merrifield. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had him at 57, so I've actually moved him up.
1: All right. Yeah. So we're we're in totally different places on Whit. Uh last 14 days, he's got like 3.7, 3.8 points a game. So I think he's back. I love wit. So I think he's going to score five points a game for the rest of the season. So five points, uh, uh, probably not five, but yeah, I I think he's a lot better than top 50. Um, I'm biased towards him. I have him like top 30, but he should be at least top 40 for everybody.
0: Yeah, over the last, even over the, so you were right, 3.8 points over the last two weeks, even over the last 30s, averaging 2.86, which is the exact same points per game average as Anthony Rizzo, who I just mentioned is my number 30 hitter. Maybe I need to take a closer look at my Whit Merrifield ranking. The reason why I was so low on him coming into, I guess, this latest update of rankings is that I only saw two things that he had going for him, which was sprint speed, which you know is still in the eighty ninth percentile, so very, very good. And then not striking out, which you mentioned is you know key to being a Sam guy, right? He's eighty eighth percentile in strikeout rates. But other than that, this is this is over the whole of the season, so maybe it'd be cool if Savant kind of had sliders. Yeah, you should be able to filter it, right? Like over the last you know two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever. His overall contact metrics on the season are. Pretty bad. So he's lower than the thirtieth percentile in hard hit percentage, barrel percentage, and average exit velocity. So not really putting the barrel on the ball too often, at least on the season. Right? Like you know, I, I wish you could filter it for the last couple of weeks. His on base skills are also pretty bad this year. Two sixty one OBP, which is which is putrid. That's like Adalberto Mondesi levels. That's tough. You know, I know he has 11 walks to 26 strikeouts. So I think that the OBP is really being dragged down by the batting average, 221. So I'll be interested to see, you know, like a month from now, if that OBP kind of ticks up, you know, if the batting average bounces back, because it looks like for his career what Merrifield is a 287 hitter. He's hitting 221 this year. You know, that's Mm -hmm. 60 points off of your OBP right there. So, you know, I, I think you could probably reasonably expect his on base percentage to tick back up. But so far in the season, it's been pretty bad. I think he's definitely a candidate similar to Tim Anderson from last week. Maybe not as extreme because Tim Anderson, like I said, has been one of the best players in baseball so far. But I do think that Whit Merrifield is a candidate to shoot up in my next set of rankings. So, that is your hitters rankings debate segment. Let's move on to the matchup preview, Sam. What are you looking for in week 7? What's your thing to watch for?
1: Is this the start of our like interleague stuff? I heard Jake say that. Yes it is. Point. Yes yeah. it is. So I would literally watch out for all the beasts in the east. I think we're going to crush the west. Beasts <laughs> in the east. Yeah. Okay.
0: My thing to watch for is actually the same. <laughs> <laughs> it is how tough is the East Division versus how weak is the West division. So the narrative all season obviously has been that the teams in the West division are very fortunate to not find themselves in the East. So in this first week of interleague play, I'm interested to see if that East division kind of lives up to the hype and starts out this, I think it's like a month and a half long stretch of, of playing across divisions. See if they start that stretch strong Our matchup predictions. I don't want to tell you my record and Jake's record, but Mm -hmm. yes, I will anyway. Uh, my record on the season is 9 and 15. Very bad. Jake's record is not too much better. It's 14 and 16, with the guests absolutely destroying us, sitting at 16 and eight. Sam, let's see if you can keep their record strong. Let's see if I can hopefully start to bounce back here. I'd love a six and0 week, get to 500. First matchup of the week. Sam, it's your matchup. You're playing Eddie. Who do you have in this one?
1: Yeah, I just found out that I went 0 and 2 last week pre- preparing for that. So that sucks. So we'll have to get into the institute maybe Jordan'll will, will let me in there and do some research on why that happened, but I think we'll I think we'll pick it back up and I think oh, I'll be able to take down Eddie.
0: Okay. I have your team as well. Both teams obviously strong with winning records 8 and 4 for your team, 7 and 5 for Eddie. But Eddie's team has been trending down over the past 2 weeks. He went 0 and 2 this past week, I believe. And he was an error and a hit batsman away from going 0-2 the week prior. Unfortunately, I was the one that went 0-2. But it just Uh, goes to show you how close it was and uh, how bad the skid could have been for Eddie. So he needs to pick it back up this week, but that's why I have your team winning this first matchup. Second matchup is mine. Demons in the infield versus Jake. Jake's fantasy baseball team. Who do you have winning this one?
1: I have you just to keep kind of the jinx going. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with you.
0: <laughs> I have Jake to
1: break the jinx. Jake's <laughs> fantasy
0: baseball team. <laughs> I'm going to pick against myself all season long so that I actually start winning some matchups. And by the way, because my record is so bad this year in matchup predictions, I decided that I'm just going to stop preparing and looking at the matchups. Like, I'm just, just going to pick opposite. off of
1: a whim. Just do the opposite of what you would do. Write down what you would, what you would predict and then just do the opposite.
0: I, could, I might try that if I, if I don't have a bounce-back week here. Right. The third matchup of the week, which Jordan was calling the matchup of the week, maybe in wow. in jest, maybe the toilet oh. bowl. <laughs> team Positivity versus Team No Name. Gerwin versus Scott. I have Gerwin winning this matchup. Um, I think Scott is kind of indicating to the league he is not going to be competing once again with that trade he made with Nick, so I'm picking Gerwin to win this one. How about you? I, I have Gerwin, two. too. Fourth matchup of the week. I don't remember. I listened to the episode last week with Jake and Jordan, but I don't remember them actually talking about or even mentioning Brendan's new team name, even though he rebranded. So we got Team C. Deamer, the team that refuses to rebrand, versus the newly branded Ass in the Jackpot, Brendan's team. I I I have Ass in the Jackpot running away with this matchup. Brendan's been on a little bit of a heater lately. I have them continuing.
1: I am team, keep the name C. Deemer. I was a fan of the Washington football team name. I think the Steelers should rebrand themselves to T- Team A. Rooney. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a big C. Deemer fan, especially since she just used the change. It was so much pressure from Jake. So tons of respect to Courtney there. I think she should keep it forever. um So I'm going to go with C. Deemer only on the basis of that she should keep the name. I like Team A. Rooney. As a (laughs) rebrand idea for this (laughs) year.
0: The second to last matchup of the week Freedom All Stars versus Big Money Mike. I have Big Money Mike pulling off the upset in this one. What do you got? I have Freedom. Got for, yeah, America.
1: (laughs) Yeah, America.
0: (laughs) The last matchup of the week, the Walk Institute of Research versus the NFTs. I have Crypto winning
1: out in this matchup. What about you? I have research just because if you tell me that you've done your research for fantasy baseball, I believe you and think you're a wagon. Uh, It's kind of like an athlete (laughs) saying that they're in the best shape of their life. I'm like, man, Aaron Rodgers in the best shape of his life. He's going to throw for 8,000 yards this season. So uh, I'm going to ride with the research. I like it.
0: Moving to our around the league portion of the podcast. I got Jake to send in his league history fact of the week. Here it is. It's no secret that Jose Ramirez has been the best hitter in baseball so far this season. He is currently averaging 4.58 points per game, which would put him on a 162 game pace to score 742.7 points. This would smash the previous record for best hitter, a record that is currently held by I got to me. Yeah. Trout. <laughs> Jose Ramirez. Oh, <laughs> well, that sucks. J Ram's 641.6 points in 2018 is still the most points ever produced by a hitter in our league. So J Ram on pace to break his own record, although the only dispute. What's that? You have a top five of most points scored. I do not. I do not. Jake only sent in the the, the record holder, which is Jose Ramirez himself. I did think it was interesting that he put the 162 game pace. Like, I, I don't know many hitters that play all 162.
1: But yeah, we're not Kyle out know, here.
0: <laughs> I think he still will probably break the record. Obviously, if he keeps it up, there was also a second portion of this league history fact of the week that Jake decided to send me. It was some research gathered by Jerwin. So I figured I'd just share him. Why not? So far in May, Courtney has five hundred and seven point eight hitter points, which is just twenty five point nine points shy of the mark that Nick set in April. And if you remember, Jake said that Nick was on a historical offensive pace. There were only, I'm sorry, there were a total of 24 matchup days in April in which Nick set the pace, right? Courtney has only had 22 matchup days so far in May. So in two less days, she's produced nearly the same output as Nick did for that month. Courtney is also number one overall in offense with 873 points. Jordan is number two with 843, so leading the league by at least 30 points. Sam is number four overall with the top pitching staff in May, but 10th overall in hitting. Bummer. The strongest correlation between overall scoring and category scoring in the month of May has been pitching. Four of the top five teams in the league are also in the top five in pitching, but only three of the top five teams in the league are also top five in hitting a couple interesting notes on some of our other individual managers brendan is suffering from a volume shortage so he is seventh overall in scoring but he's fourth overall in points per game so his guys are making an impact when they're playing but he needs to get more games in or more starts from his pitchers he also has the highest discrepancy between total points and points per game that kind of makes sense with that last stat and then the last piece of information that Jerwin decided to pass along is that mike is the exact opposite he is ninth in the league out of 12 in points per game but he's sixth in total points scored so Hmm. mike is going death
1: by volume this year interesting this is a jerry deep dive it is a jerry deep dive damn dude all right props yeah Everything that's a that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of numbers. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I wasn't supposed to read it all off at (laughs) once. That could have sustained us for the next month. (laughs) Gary just put my brain into a pretzel. All
0: right, pretty interesting things. The last segment of the podcast, as always, news and notes. Max Scherzer will miss six to eight weeks with an oblique strain, while Freddie Peralta will miss quote significant time due to a right lat strain, per Craig Council. Sam who suffers more from the loss of their staff ace let's not say you know let's just assume that they only lost them for mm-hmm. the same amount of time to equalize it is it Brendan who loses Freddy Peralta
1: or Eddie who loses Max Scherzer I mean with Eddie being a Mets fan too I mean he's just got to be demoralized so I think we should have a little moment of silence for Eddie on the pod um, and I don't know if he's going to be able to mentally be there to manage the rest of his team so I think Eddie will, will suffer a little bit more with this loss
0: agreed let's take a moment of silence Thank you. (laughs) Mike Clevenger was placed on the 15-day. That's a new one, right? The 15-day has not been around for a couple years, but they brought Mm -hmm. it back this year for for pitchers specifically. So that's an interesting rule. Pitchers specifically, when they're placed on the injured list now, will be ineligible to return for 15 days. So Mike Clevenger was placed on the 15-day IL with a tricep strain, and Jacob deGrom's latest timetable will keep him out at least through the All-Star break. Sam, are these guys just broken?
1: I hope not. I like them both. DeGrom throws the ball well, so I hope he's I not I agree.
0: Broken. Yeah, I agree
1: that he throws so, the ball well. <laughs> I hope they're not broken. I think Clevenger's broken. I, I don't think DeGrom is broken, but I think Clevenger's probably broken.
0: Do you have faith in either one of these guys putting up a full-season workload ever again in their careers, like going a full season without hitting the injured list?
1: How old are we again?
0: Jacob DeGrom is 33. Mike Clevenger is 31. Nah, they're probably going to have something every year. Last piece of news. More on a positive note here. The Orioles selected Adley Rutschman's contract from AAA, making him the highest profile catching prospect to debut since (laughs) Matt Matt (laughs) Wieters. The Orioles catching prospect back in the 2000s which I know that sounds like funny because Weeders stunk, but he was actually like considered a generational catching prospect back then. Obviously Matt Weeders did not live up to the hype. Is it a crap shoot this time around too,
1: or is Adley different? I don't know. It's tough with catchers. I mean, they, they focus so much of their training on the defensive side of the game that it's, it's tough for them to kind of focus on the hitting side. Um, Weeders wasn't switch was he I don't think he was I I don't know the answer to that (laughs) but switch switch is also tough because you got to get reps from both sides so he's in a little bit of a bind but I mean he's obviously talented so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt he was on your team last year if I I remember yeah I I kept him because they're supposed to call him up um but yeah I think I think Brandon might have drafted him before like his keeper value was so maybe I should have kept him
0: Yeah, I think he drafted him in like the 13th round. I'm calling that off the top of my head. Let's go ahead and check. He was like a 16th round keeper or something like that. 13th round. I am a wizard. Mm. That's it. That's it for our eighth episode. Sam, anything to share with the league in closing? Nah. All right. good luck with your two newborns. Good luck with your two toddlers. Thanks so much for coming on. I know that. Takes a little bit of sacrifice. Thanks, uh, Peyton, for joining us for the entire episode.
1: He was good. She just slept, yeah, the, the
0: entire time, which was great. But yeah. thanks everyone for listening. Next week, let me pull up the schedule really quickly. It is going to be Jake and Brendan coming at you with the episode next week, so you have that to look forward to. But until then,
1: oh, I do I... have a, I do have an ending point. We should, oh, we should sure. pressure. I think we should be giving more pressure to Jake to buy a mic than we should to Courtney to change your name.
0: I agree with that. I'm actually in full support of that. Okay. Jake, you've got, you've got, if you're listening, you've got to buy a mic. <laughs> I don't know what's worse listening to the episode and it, and it cuts out. Like, I, I don't know. Cause I, I record, so I know where the, the, the cutouts are Or recording with you, Jake, when I know you're, you're <laughs> you keep cutting out and I don't know whether like, it's always awkward, like, you know, if it's two seconds, you let it go, right? If it's three yeah. seconds, you probably let it go. If it's four it goes- seconds, you're like, is it worth stopping <laughs> the recording and then having to tell Eddie to cut it out? Five seconds, you're like, well, shit. <laughs> now we got to stop. <laughs> so, was Jake, like we, we got to get Apple, you
1: was like old Apple AirPods, not AirPods, but the old Apple headphones with like the mic on the cord it would probably give you better audio than whatever Jake is doing on a rock.
0: I, have to, I did promise Jake that I would send him a couple microphones on Amazon because I think you can get like decent ones for like 25, 30 bucks. So I got to get on that. Part of it is on me, but I we do got to get. I sent him that link, like... Jake. You
1: should get that. that. That's a decent mic too for like forty bucks. You get yeah. What is it like a Yeti or something? It's like Sam. It's like Sam. Not Samsung. It's like Sam Samsung or something like that. Sounds off brand. <laughs> it's like anyway. it's supposed, I don't know. Well, I, I researched it for when we were starting a podcast for our business and we settled on those for cheap high-end mic or cheap high-performance mic i guess so go for that or literally anything that's not a rock <laughs> weird <laughs> team jake get
0: a mic all right well for sam harper thanks so much for joining us i'm Ned Andries, and we'll catch you on the next one you